everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I'm very glad that you're here with us today. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. All right, well, before we get into the text of scripture that we'll be looking at today, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, pray right at the outset and um, and ask the Lord to honor this time and to speak to us through his word. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just acknowledge that you are the teacher. You are the one who takes the word of God and opens the eyes of our hearts, Lord, so that we can see it and understand it and uh, believe it and rely on it all in all the ways um, that we should. Uh, Lord, I think about where when Peter declared that you are the Christ, you said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray this is a time where you you reveal things to us, that as we open up your word, that you speak to us. And Lord, we give you all the glory at the outset, acknowledging that if any of us benefit from this time, it is because you spoke, because you honored this time, because apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, for everybody who's listening right now, I just pray... Um, I pray that you bless them, and I pray that they hear from you. I pray that you speak to them through the scriptures, and me as well, as we look at this passage from Psalm 34, Lord, just please speak to us, and God, I pray that you do this in such a way that you just, um, I don't know, that we're all just amazed by you. But Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more and to trust you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, let's go ahead and transition into Psalm 34. Now, Psalm 34 is a passage of scripture I've spent a little time in um, recently, just over the past few days, and I really feel like the Lord has spoken to me and encouraged me quite a bit through the passage. So I would encourage you to sometime soon to sit down and read it in its entirety, because today we are looking at only the first three verses. And initially I had considered including more verses than that in our episode for today. But I really think that just the thir- uh, the first three verses are enough for a complete conversation today and a complete topic in and of themselves. And so we're just going to go there and devote this time to those verses. And, uh, and also, before I forget, uh, before we actually start reading the passage, I will include in this episode, um, in the description of this episode, that is, a link to a song by Shane and Shane. I think it's actually entitled Psalm 34, but it's a wonderful song, and it's based on this psalm, including, but not limited to, the verses that we will be looking at specifically today. So if you haven't heard that song, or even if you have, uh, be sure to check it out, and that will be in the show notes of this episode. So having said that, let's go ahead and get into the scripture here. So Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, say this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. All right, that was verses 1 through 3. So before we actually get into those and begin to discuss them, let me just say something right here at the outset, and that is that our lives as believers should look different from the lives of the unbelieving world. If we look just like people who aren't believers, then that should really be cause for concern. I mean, in fact, I think about it. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world in Matthew 5, 13 and 14. There should be a difference. There's a distinction there. There should be a contrast. 
And what we're talking about today is one area where there should be a distinction, where there should be a contrast. And let me say it like this. I don't think I have to convince you that discontentment and complaining and all of that comes quite natural to us as humans. This is not something that we uh, have to be taught. It's something that uh, we kind of naturally drift towards, isn't it? In fact, at the time of this recording, it is uh, not far from Christmas. It's, uh, it's November 9th at the time that I'm recording this. And think about all the commercialization surrounding Christmas. Think about how all of that commercialization is centered around the attempt of the marketer to convince the viewers, whatever that target audience is, that their life is lacking, that there is cause for discontentment, that they will be happier if they have blank, and that they can't be thankful or happy or grateful until they have blank. There, there has to be this thing. And up until then, something is lacking, something is deficient, their life would be better, and they should be discontent. I, uh, <laughs> I, I jokingly say sometimes when I walk around uh, stores, I'll, you know, I'll just look at stuff, and I've, I've said, you know, I never knew how many things that uh, I needed but didn't know existed a few minutes prior. It's like, wow, I didn't even know that this appliance existed, but I need it! You know, so and that's, I'm obviously just a joke, but it's, uh, but... Thankfulness, gratitude, contentment, these are all qualities that are um, that should be present in the child of God. Uh, in fact, Psalm, if you I just read Psalm 34, 1 through 3. If you go back one uh, one Psalm to Psalm 33, verse 1, it says, Shout for the joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. And I love that. Praise befits the upright. It is fitting for the upright to be walking in praise towards the Lord and shouts for joy towards the Lord. It's appropriate of the upright. We should be marked by praise. We should be marked by a grateful heart towards the Lord. And this uh, this verse here, notice that it says, I will bless the Lord, back in verse 1 here. Let's um, go back to verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because we dedicated an entire episode to a topic similar to this one, episode 72, uh, which is entitled A Sacrifice of Praise. I will link to that episode in the episode description. So if you have not heard that, please go back and listen to that one in conjunction with this one because it's going to really um, fill out the topic even more. But basically what we just talked about in that episode, just as a quick recap is that when we praise God, when we choose to glorify, praise, worship, be thankful towards the Lord, when it doesn't come naturally, when circumstances are not exactly how we would necessarily want them to be, that that is an acceptable sacrifice. That is something that costs us something. That is giving God, say, Lord, I'm giving you this worship. You deserve it. And I am thankful for the things that you have done. I'm thankful for who you are. And I'm not going to let a circumstance that is not ideal in my life prevent me from giving you what you deserve. Furthermore, giving thanks to the Lord really does something for us, too. It, it just positions our heart properly. It opens our heart to just be filled with joy, gratitude, right? And, uh, and not getting stuck kind of in a pit. We talked about in that episode, um, Psalm 50, verse 23, the one who offers sacrifice, I'm sorry, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. But we really focused in on that first part where it says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. 
We also focused in on um, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. I know, again, I, I talked about all these in that episode and went into more detail, so go check that out. But I just did want to include these by way of reminder because they are relevant. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. And yeah, that last little bit there is a musical direction, which leads me to believe that what we just read was um, historically sung. It was uh, perhaps in the format of a song. But what is what's being said here? Even if everything goes wrong, Even if everything goes wrong, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Hebrews 13, 15 said, Through him, through Jesus, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And so just this one question is kind of a recap from that episode, which is this. Do you let circumstances disrupt your gratitude to God? Do I, do we, do you, do we let, do we let unpleasant circumstances, whatever they may be, cut off our thanksgiving, pull us down into, um, I don't know, discontentment? Because uh, when we do that, we are really giving up something. But when we choose to glorify God, especially in the hard times, what an acceptable sacrifice that is to him saying, Lord, I'm giving you this because you deserve it. Just a few more scriptures on this topic, and then we'll move through the psalm. Like I said, I'm not going to dedicate too much time to this first verse because... I already did that in another episode. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in that passage, I I didn't want to just chop it up because it was one complete sentence there, but it says singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even before that, it says addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what am I illustrating right now? I'm just illustrating here how our praise is meant to be perpetual. Our thanksgiving is meant to be ongoing. Our worship is to be constant. And honestly, I think the more we do it, the more of a habit it becomes. And so it might be difficult at first, but to just form this uh, this posture of thanksgiving, or as I've heard it put before, an attitude of gratitude. And this isn't, you know, denial. This isn't living in denial at all. We, I mean, we still are encouraged to seek the Lord. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Psalm 107.6, we're still encouraged to cry out to the Lord. We're encouraged to bring our 
um, our needs to him in many places of scripture. This is not, this is not uh, saying otherwise, but I'm just saying if we wait until everything is perfect before we start worshiping the Lord and giving thanks to him, then we'll never worship the Lord and give thanks to him. You know, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. So this is not living in denial, but living by faith. Honestly, it's saying, Lord, things are perhaps difficult, but you're still worthy. You have still saved me. I know in the end, you're going to make everything right. You have promised you'll never leave me nor forsaken me. You have met my needs in X, Y, and Z way. And you could go on and on and on and just thank him for um, all sorts of blessings. There's always something to praise God for. And, you know, the Christian life, it can at the same time be um, marked by weeping and rejoicing, by struggle and worship. Um, you know, we come to the Lord. The scriptures say, in fact, um, let me pull this up because I hadn't written down the scripture ahead of time, but it's so relevant. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So we come, we pour out our hearts before him. In Psalm 55, uh, 55 verse 22 it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And so, so often the Christian life is, you know, you're weighed down. There's things that are concerning you and you come and you bring those to the Lord. You cry out to him in times of trouble. You cry out to him. You roll these burdens over onto God. You give him these things. You trust them with him. And then you're filled with joy. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. So we come, and so in the same day, in the same day, you could have come before him with weeping and just pouring out your heart before him and yet walking in joy because joy does not come from our circumstances and it does not originate in us at all. No, indeed, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit producing that in us. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So weeping and rejoicing can be present all at the same time. But my point is, we just need to praise the Lord. And so one um, one habit that I'm trying to form is when people say, how are you doing? I'm trying to say, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Because I am. And I want to be more so. I want to, I want to be more so. All right, let's move to verse 2. So verse two says, uh, my soul makes his boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And so let me just kind of frame this up with this question. What do we do with praise? How do we respond to praise? How do we respond to that whenever, um, well, whenever we're praised by somebody or something like that, whenever we receive some sort of recognition, I, um, the NLT the New Living Translation translates uh, this verse, the, or this is the first part of this verse. It says, I will boast only in the Lord. So how we respond when met with praise is very, very important. And it actually can reveal a whole lot about what's going on inside of our hearts. Proverbs 27, verse 21 says, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. What do we do? How do we respond to praise? Psalm 115, 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, 
but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Whenever somebody, do we deflect the praise back onto the Lord? And I'm not talking about not being able to accept a compliment. I'm not talking about not being able to say, you're a uh, uh, thank you. You know, just, just thank you for that encouragement. There's nothing in the world wrong with saying thank you so much for that encouragement. But are we looking for opportunities to give glory to God? Are we looking to opportunities or are we taking credit for it? A little bit ourselves. And so let me give you a personal example that has a component of it that's not flattering. And uh, But you know, whenever we hear personal examples that are not flattering, they oftentimes make us feel better about ourselves, right? So let's be real. So a few weeks ago, I spoke at um, at a church. And in fact, the uh, the recording of that, um, that message is uh, the previous episode of this podcast, the bonus episode. Shortly before going up to speak at the first service, the pastor pulled me aside, um, and he said, um, he just asked me, he said, you've prayed for the anointing, haven't you? And I said something like, well, I have certainly, you know, I've asked that the Lord would speak in this time. And he, uh, he started talking, and he's like, listen, you need to pray that the Lord would anoint you. Uh, and he talked about how um, Aaron, uh, you know, the priests were anointed, set apart for the task. And, and we, we talked a little bit about that, but then he made this statement. This statement, and this is kind of what I'm getting to today. He said, listen, because otherwise, if you go up there, it's just going to be Christian Keter. That's all you'll have to offer is Christian Keter, and that's just the flesh. And there was a split second. This is the not flattering part where I'm just like, oh, man. Basically, the thoughts were, then it wouldn't be me, and I don't get any credit. <laughs> and then, you know, quickly, the follow-up thought is like, yeah, that's the point. It's not you. You don't get the credit. It's, it's God. Because guys, like I've said before, we can self-generate a lot of things, right? We can self-generate wit, humor, eloquence, and things like that. But we can't self-generate power. If God uses us in someone else's life, then it's just that God used us in someone else's life. And we should glorify God. And whenever that person expresses gratitude to us for the way the Lord worked through us, we need to gratefully appreciate that and say, you know, thank you so much for that encouragement. But then quickly give the glory to the one to whom it belongs. Because it is not... We're not the ones, we're not the ones who did it. The Lord is the one who did it, right? Deuteronomy chapter eight, this is shortly before the Israelites go into the promised land. It says this in verse 11 through, um, I'll read through verse 18. It says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there is no water who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your, uh, that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, 
My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So, I mean, why am I reading this passage? Really the warning in verse 17, where he says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. We just need to be very, very careful that whenever God has used us, that we don't, um, that we don't, you know, have that same sort of my power, my power and the might of my hand have accomplished this. No, 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 no. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's not put ourselves in that position. We want to continue to be used, don't we? Then we must acknowledge that he is the one who touches the heart. He's the one who speaks. And yes, he works through us. And yes, we cooperate with him. But he's the one who does. He, he's the only one who can touch a human heart in the way that it needs to be spoken to, touched, changed. He's the only one who can transform a person. And so when the Lord uses us and others express their gratitude, then we can just say thank you and praise the Lord and truly mean that. I mean, even with this podcast, some of you have been so kind and so gracious to send me encouragements and emails and talk about how uh, the Lord has spoken to you through this content. And I really do appreciate that. I really, uh, I really do. And the, the biggest reason why I appreciate that is just shows me, okay, the Lord is in this. The Lord is in this. His power is present. And that's the most important thing that you guys are encountering, encountering the Lord. That is the most important thing that we encounter him, that his power and his presence is here. But I can't generate that. That doesn't come from me. That comes from God. That comes from him and his blessing. And he gets all the credit. And if you have benefited from this podcast at all whatsoever, then praise God. I am so serious. I'm not just saying this because this is the right thing. Praise God. Give him the glory. Thank you so much for all the encouragement because it means so much to me. But praise God. He's the one. He is the one. So when God works through you, be sure to give him the glory. Matthew five fourteen through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Notice that it says that they may see your good works and give glory to your fathers in heaven. This is what it means to be the light of the world and to let, a, the, to let the light of Christ shine through you means for people to look at you and glorify God, not glorify you. I mean, that was in Matthew chapter five. Um, in Matthew chapter six, just one, one chapter over, Jesus begins that with beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So... In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, in Matthew 6, people are seeing your good works, but the outcome, the objective is different. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, when you're being described as the light of the world, the objective is to glorify God and for people to look at you and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Whereas here in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them that the praise would go to you. Because then he says, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. That'll be, the, that'll be the only reward you get. You will get the reward of the praise of people and that will be it. So just, it really comes down to motive a lot of times with this sort of thing. It's about who you're trying to praise. And you have, and you have opportunities to do this. If you're born again, you've got the light of the world living inside of you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
That was uh, John eight twelve, And um, yeah, so you can do this if you look for opportunities. And then um, back in, uh, I say back because I, I lost my place now. Back in Psalm 34, uh, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so now it has moved just from, you know, me, the individual praising the Lord to inviting others to do the same as well. And there's different ways you can do this. I mean, you can do this as simply as asking questions like, man, what is something good God has done in your life recently? Or what is something you love about the Lord? Or whenever they ask how you're doing to use that as an opportunity to praise the Lord, that could lead other people into glorifying and worshiping him as well. And also just talking about the things he's done in your life or just in general, really. But I thought about the example from Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas had gone on a missionary journey, and they've gone to a bunch of different towns, and then they're coming back to the church in Antioch, and they're going to give a um, just an account of their journey. So in Acts 14, beginning in verse 24, it says, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. But notice what they did. They came and it says, um, when they arrived, they gathered the church together and uh, they declared all that God had done with them. They say, this is what God has done. He is the one who had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they come and they report and they talk about what the Lord has done. And so, if you were to testify, basically, if you were to say, let me like, in the course of conversations, if it's you know, to look for opportunities just to talk about how you've seen the Lord at work in your life, and again, to do it in a way that brings Him glory, that shows His beauty and how incredible He is. This is, a, this is part of what it means to be the light of the world. This is a function of being different. This is a function of giving God the praise that He's due, inviting others in to do the same as well. That's what I want to do. I want to be contagious with praise. I want people to catch it from hanging out with me, right? I want them to walk away praising the Lord just as a result of the conversations that we had and how the Lord honored it. And uh, and my wife, Lacey, has been an incredible example for me in this because, uh, you know, while I would in and of myself naturally be a, a complainer or a griper, or have kind of a natural bent towards discontentment. She's not a complainer. She's a worshiper. She gives thanks. She has been a wonderful example uh, for me in this. So I just want to encourage you guys to do the same, to have this mentality of, I want to be different. I want to look different than the unbelieving world. I want to walk and I want, I want to praise God always. Guys, I don't want to go back I don't want to go back to being the complainer, being discontent. I just want to walk around in love for God. Because listen, if you walk around and you praise him and you worship him, you are directing your heart towards him. This is tying into the greatest commandment, which is love God and love others. Which, But this is directing your affection towards God. It is focusing on how lovely and how wonderful and amazing he is. It's not denial. It's not denying the difficulty of any circumstances. 
but is choosing to praise him in the midst of them, whatever they may be. And this is more like, this is more than just, oh, I should do this. This will affect your total being. And may God help us with this first and foremost, because he deserves it, y'all. He deserves it, but it'll change you. It'll change your posture. It'll change. It's just, it's something that we should be doing. So in summary, as we look at Psalm uh, 34, 1, 1 through 3, you can kind of break it down like this. I want to praise God in all circumstances. I want to give him all the credit. And I want to invite others to do the same. Verses 1 through 3. Right there. And so I just hope that this has been relevant and encouraging to you in some way. Again, uh, if it has been, it's because the Lord has blessed it. Right? Let me pray for us. Um, and then I'll uh, wrap up here. Dear Jesus, we do thank you. We're so grateful for your love, for how you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, thank you that you give us wisdom in the midst of our circumstances. And God, you are always right there to help us, even when we ourselves get into the situations that are causing distress. You're an ever-present help in times of trouble. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Lord, you invite us to do all these things. You love us. You've given us your spirit. And Lord, we're so grateful. God, help us. Help us just to praise you. Help us to give you the glory that you deserve. And Lord, help us not to get derailed by difficult circumstances, but to dig in our heels and say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. God, help us to do it. Lord, for all these dear souls, Lord, you love them so much. Lord, set them and me free from the shackles that hold us down. Shackles of like discontentment and and um and just complaining things like this that keep us chained to the ground where you've called us just to soar really lord help us to worship you god really and help us to live in a way that's pleasing to you to give you sacrifices that please you and just to lift up your name in all that we do because god you deserve it you really do and we love you so much and we pray this in jesus name amen all right, my friends. Well, in closing, I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, although there's never any pressure to do so, of course, um, instructions on how to give can be found in the footer of every podcast episode description. And to those of you who have given, thank you so very much. May the Lord bless you for your generosity. All right, guys, until next time, God bless you.